had a beautiful apartment in New York, in the city, in Times Square. And I said to myself, there is no way that I'm leaving this apartment empty for a whole month. And so I decided to post it on Airbnb. I made over $10,000 in profit just from that month. That's when I realized the potential. So basically I took from the profit of that $10,000 that I made that month and then invested that into, into a whole uh, new apartment. I advertised it in, on five different channels. After a month or two that I'm doing really, really well with marketing the apartment, I noticed that I'm receiving over bookings. I got triple bookings for the same apartment from a few different channels that were worth over $50,000. Now, this is $50,000 that I cannot, I cannot keep because I, don't, I cannot host them. And so I took another one, another one. By the end of year one, I had five apartments all running on all different channels. I was at twenty-five dollars to $30,000 in revenues every month for each apartment. By, by the end of year one, I was making $1.2 million from just five apartments. Okay, so if what you heard is not crazy enough, I want to share some more information about what you just heard. The person you're listening to is Ali Woldarski, and she started that business when she was 21. And that wasn't even her first business. She started another business when she was 19, helping small businesses scale from five figures to six figure businesses very, very quickly. So, welcome back to the E Tribe. This is Isar Metis, your host. And as you can understand, today's story is very far from usual. It's packed with really critical, very important, very strategic lessons learned on how to start and scale businesses and how to really be entrepreneur at your core and to leverage that to not only grow your own business, but also help other businesses and other individuals grow because you understand their problems and you can come up with a strategic solution. So trust me when I say this, you do not want to miss a single second of this interview. You probably want to pull over or maybe wait till you're home and you can actually open your laptop or iPad or notebook and take notes because again, the amount of critical lessons for running a business successfully and how to think strategically in a business in a very wide range of scenarios. It's just mind-blowing. It's really jam-packed with information that you want to understand and retain. So with that, I think I've said enough, uh, hopefully to pick your interest. Let's listen to the intro and we'll be right back. You're listening to the E-Tribe podcast series, a podcast that inspires people to pursue their passions and become better at what they do. I'm Isar Matis, a serial entrepreneur myself, and I'm sitting down with other members of the E-Tribe, entrepreneurs, e-commerce experts, e-marketers, and other e-people. We come from different industries and different places around the world. Together, we discuss challenges, solutions, lessons learned, and tools which help us be more effective and make an impact in our world. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the E-Tribe. This is Isar Metis, your host. Today, I have a very special guest for you. She's young, she's energetic, and she started her first business when she was 19. She was running a real estate business in New York City, one of the most expensive places on the planet to deal with real estate in her early 20s. And she brought it to seven figures without raising capital. Now, how cool is 
that. Uh, now she's already the CEO of a startup company in Israel, so she has an incredible story to tell, both from an entrepreneurship perspective as well as from fighting hardships and getting out of them, which most entrepreneurs have been through. And so I'm very, very excited to have Ali Waldarski with me today. Ali, thank you so much for joining us at the E-Tribe. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So Ali, beyond what I said in the introduction, which to me is absolutely incredible, Tell us your story, like what got you started, where were you, what led you to start the businesses, and start wherever you want. Awesome. Well, I always like to start from the beginning. I was, I was born, born in Israel. In... <laughs> Israel, yes, exactly. Yeah. I was born in Israel, and at the age of 12, my mom kind of brought me to New York. She put me in school, and she went back. So I grew up very independently since the age of 12. At the age of 19, I opened my first business. My first business was helping small businesses grow. After a great internship working with um, companies overseas, doing a lot of imports and export, I started my first company to help small businesses grow and take them to really high growth. What I did was really take them from the beginning, meaning companies that were making 10, 20, or $30,000 a month in revenues and help them grow it to 100, 200, 300, and even $400,000 a month. How did I do that? by expanding and opening virtual locations. So all the companies that I managed were based out of New York. What, what I did is opened over 30 different locations around the US that were all virtually, meaning we had local websites, local support, uh, local um, SEO, marketing, anything that has to do with a complete business in each and every location, but it was all virtually. So every company generated leads from each location and then sold the leads to third-party companies and freelancers in the area. And that's how it was making profit on each and every lead. We're talking about over 50% uh, profit on each lead that was sold. What I was doing that for a little while, and I pretty much noticed that I'm helping those companies grow a lot. I had over eight companies in my portfolio that were all benefiting from all 30 locations. And I was doing that for a while. And uh, that's when I realized, wait, I'm doing this for them, but what about me? I don't have any equity in those companies. I'm not making anything for myself. Wait, let me, let me do something for, for, for me. So that's, that's, that's how it all, all started. That's crazy. At, just out of curiosity, the whole things that you were doing, the SEO and the local lead generation and so on, were you doing it on your own or did you hire a team of people who are specialists on these things to do it? So each company paid me uh, a retainer every month. And that's how I was able to not only gain from that, but also pay for assistance and have more help. Each company also hired individuals, companies, third-party companies to help with marketing, with development on the, of the websites, anything that has to do with management of the companies, lawyers, accountants, anything that has to do with everything. What I did is just managed it all and, and continue to open more virtual locations. And we've seen growth within, within the first few months of, of each opening of each location. That's incredible. The business model is brilliant, by the way, and, uh, and the execution, I guess, too, if you saw such great growth. So what happened then? So now you're like, okay, I'm done with this. I, uh, if I can grow companies to hundreds of thousands of dollars in, month, in a month or a few months, I want to do this for myself. What you do then? So then, I, first of all, I wasn't able to just take off and leave. They would, they would kill me. I mean, they, yeah. they saw the growth so quick that they didn't want to let me go. So while I'm doing that, um, I decided to take a vacation, go to LA for, for a month. I had a few clients there 
and uh, I went to California. I had a beautiful apartment in New York, in the city, in Times Square. And I said to myself, there is no way that I'm leaving this apartment empty for a whole month. And so I decided to post it on Airbnb. It was right in the beginning of Airbnb. And uh, it meant taking a huge risk because I didn't know who I was bringing into my home. I didn't know what's going to happen. It was back in the day when Airbnb still had a blue and white website that early on. And so, yeah, and, and, and doing that and taking that huge of a risk, coming back to New York, noticing that I made over $10,000 in profit just from that month, that's when I realized the potential. I realized that there is something here that is growing so fast, making a lot of money. And, and I wanted to kind of jump in and do it and take a risk and take an apartment just for that. So that's when it all kind of started. To make a long story short, that first year, I took one apartment. I advertised it on a few different channels, so like again, Airbnb. Just, just to mm-hmm. stop you for a second, when you're saying you took it, you didn't buy it, right? You just rented it and then subleased it to Airbnb? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really take any risk here, like in terms of that. I just took the risk of the rent of the apartment, the security. I furnished it all uh, by myself. Uh, so basically, I took from the profit of that $10,000 that I made that month and then invested that into, into a whole uh, new apartment. I advertised it in, on five different channels. Back there, it was Airbnb, TripAdvisor, HomeAway, VRBO, uh, Booking.com, and Expedia. And I started receiving leads. After, after a month or two that I'm doing really, really well with marketing the apartment, I noticed that I'm receiving overbookings. I got triple bookings for the same apartment from a few different channels that were worth over $50,000. Now this is $50,000 that I cannot, I cannot keep because I don't, I cannot host them. It's it's overbookings, but I didn't want to give it back. I wanted to use that uh, and take more apartments. And so I took another one and another one. By the end of year one, I had five apartments all running on all different channels. Each one, just to give you an idea, we're talking about five to $6,000 of rent and in terms of how much I was making, we're talking about between $800 to $1,000 per night. So at 98% occupancy, which is what I had, I was at twenty-five dollars to $30,000 in revenues every month for each apartment. By, by the end of year one, I was making $1.2 million from just five apartments. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. I, I, I think there's so many amazing points in, in what you're saying because- you know, I, I, I recently did a, a podcast about four types of entrepreneurs. And one of those four types of, of entrepreneurs, I call them DNA entrepreneurs, people who have it in their blood. Like they see opportunity wherever they look. And the other thing that these people do, and you're definitely that type of, of entrepreneur, is they jump right in. There is no like, Oh, I need, you know, six months of planning. We're like, okay, there's an opportunity. I can make money. I'm going to do this. I'll figure it out. Because you knew nothing about any of this, right? You did not know what it is to furnish an apartment or to rent it out or to clean it or to what services do people we need or what customer service you would need to provide, right? You just, oh, lucky I'll right. take an apartment and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. I mean, on my first year, I was literally running between all five apartments. They were all located in Midtown, but you know Midtown. I mean, you have to, you can't really take a cab or anything or, or you stay in traffic for an hour. So I, would, I was running around between apartments, cleaning them, checking in guests. It, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was a lot of work. I mean, it sounds like, wow, $1.2 million, five apartments, one year. Amazing. 
אבל זה היה הרבה עבודה, זה היה הרבה עבודה, זה היה הרבה עבודה, אבל באמת, באמת עבודה. אוקיי, אז מה קורה אז? זה נראה כמו סינדרלה סטורם, למה אני אעבור משהו אם זה עושה טוב? נכון, אז אני 21 שנה, ואני עושה את הראשון מיליון דולר, ואני מתחילה, ואני מתחילה, ואני עושה את זה באמת טוב, ואני עושה 98% אוקיפנסי, שזה לא נראה לי. I was literally closing every little hole. If there was a two-night availability in between, I was lowering the prices, getting it booked, and really staying on top of it on a daily basis. I was slowly letting go of the companies that I was managing and taking this full-time. I was running it. I mean, up until now, I, was, I made over three or four million dollars um, in profit just from those five apartments. I'm in the industry for almost eight years now, and it's, it's crazy. The, the, the profit and how much and everything, you literally learn the in and out of the vacation rental industry by just actually doing it yourself. I'm like becoming a small business uh, owner of, of this company. And although it's just five apartments, it's, it's, we're talking about millions in revenues. So this, this was amazing. I, once, once I noticed that what I'm doing, a lot of other people are starting to slowly do as well, uh, but they don't get to that type of occupancy um, and they're having a hard time doing what I do, I wanted to kind of build something that would help them use my tricks, use the way I was advertising it, my marketing skills, and everything I was doing to kind of do it in automations on a software. So basically create some sort of property management software that would allow you to advertise it across different platforms and manage all kinds of different tools in order to get to a, a really high occupancy rate. And that's kind of what I wanted to build when, when starting Vacays. So if you're asking me in the beginning, Vacays was just all about uh, helping other small property managers grow and really get to highest uh, occupancy rate. Incredible. I, I want to say a few things about what you're saying. First of all, some explanation to some people who are not very savvy in the property rental world or in the travel industry. Occupancy is, you know, how many nights out of the nights that you can rent it out is actually you have heads in beds. How many nights are actually paid out of the properties that you have? And getting to 98% occupancy is almost impossible, especially when you're talking about vacation rentals. And, and the issue is exactly what, what Ali said, is the fact that now somebody booked four nights and somebody booked four nights with one night spread. Very few people come to New York City for one night. So those people are, may stay at a hotel because those business people, they just want to come in and out and they're not necessarily looking for an apartment. So filling up those little gaps of somebody who will just take one night uh, makes it very, very hard to get to very high percentages of occupancy, especially when, with, when a small amount of units. When you're in a hotel and you have many rooms, it's obviously a lot easier because you can move people around between different rooms and you have more uh, wiggle room to play with. But when, when you have... One, two, three, four apartments, it's very, very hard. The other thing that I want to say that I absolutely love is that the best way to start a business, a successful business, is being in a specific industry for long enough to know the biggest gaps, the biggest problems, the biggest issues that industry have and find a solution for it, which is exactly what you did. So you're now in a stage where you're saying, okay, I think I figured it out. I know how to maximize the revenue and the occupancy of rental properties. I'm going to build a software that will enable people to basically replicate my knowledge 
through a system. Exactly. So when did you start the company and what was exactly the process of starting that company? Well, I started off about two years ago and my first decision was, let's go to Israel and find a CTO. All I was hearing about the Israeli, you know, startup nation got me really thinking. I have a couple of friends that graduated 8,200 unit in the army. And right away, they told me, come, we'll find you a CTO, we'll find you developers, we'll help you get this started. And that was my first kind of my first initiative. I was deciding to go to Israel and start developing this. Of course, I was doing everything right. I first opened the corporation in the US. I came to Israel, opened a subsidiary company just for the development, found the right people to get it started with. And we started developing the, the software. I was going back and forth a lot, almost every month for the first year and kind of running in between, still managing the properties, starting off with complete development of, of such a software. Uh, it was definitely not easy. It was definitely not easy. It was probably one of the hardest years getting started. I also invested um, over $250,000 of my own money into this uh, in the beginning, so it was self-funded. And once, once I'm in Israel, I found someone else that connected me to someone else that was helping me and I really got to enjoy the benefit of actually learning from people that have gone through so much in building companies um, and learning from their experiences. And so I, I found myself a few advisors and they became my advisors up until this day. And this was one of the best things that, that I think I'm proud of and that, that really drove me to, to kind of come to Israel and do it uh, in Israel and started there. So that's kind of how it, it all started. Okay, so you go to Israel initially just to find a CTO and development team. You then connect to the whole Israeli startup ecosystem and you decide to move back to be there uh, full time. Did you abandon the New York apartments or you just found somebody to run them? I'm just curious. So I didn't fully ever move back to Israel. I was kind of living in between and I continued to run it. But that, by, the, by, by that time, I already had cleaning ladies, people that would run it automatically. Everything else I needed to do was, was online, managing you know, the bookings, the advertisement, the, the marketing, that was all done online. The rest was just very easy. It was running on autopilot. And a few months later, I already had a software that I was able to also use it for myself and run it there as well. So that was the amazing part. Ali, I think what you're saying is incredible and in so many different levels, but I'm I'm now curious about Vacays, the company that you've started, the software company that you started. There are so many management, property management software out there, like hundreds and probably dozens that are good. And how do you differentiate? How do you go into an industry that has so many people already in it and build something that is A, different, and B, that provides extra value that other people cannot provide or do not provide. Right. So if you look at property management software out there, they started off with hotels first, right? So when you're servicing hotels, we're talking about huge number of rooms servicing, you know, large hotels or boutique hotels or hotel chains, and then servicing them and pro providing a software for them is basically going big scale. You're also making a lot of money, whether it's commission or monthly uh, subscription, but it's really worth it. What a lot of these property management softwares um, did when they started doing the same thing for vacation rentals, 
is first going after the big guys, the big property management groups, the, the, the hosts that have a lot of property so that they can make more profit out of it, obviously. What a lot of people did not value is the small hosts, the segment of hosts that have one, two, three, four, even 10 properties. If you look at statistics online, 70% of hosts have less than 20 properties. And most of them have even less than 10 properties. So we're talking about small hosts or even the elderly. We're talking about seniors that have properties or vacation rentals that they don't leave there. And then they started renting it off. They're doing it as a side job. And that's how most of them are actually running. So when you're looking at all the competitors, they're mostly focusing on the big guys where only a small portion of them are focusing on the small ones. What we did is we have collaborated with one of the biggest uh, companies out there called Rentals United. Rentals United have established API connection to over 150 different um, websites uh, that are channel-based. We're talking about obviously the big ones, which are Airbnb, HomeAway, Expedia, TripAdvisor, uh, Booking.com, Google Now as well, and many more, as well as local websites. And what they did is they basically said, come to us, we'll give you the API and you build whatever you want on top of that. And so collaborating with them, it kind of gave us a very easy access to get started and build it off, off, off of that. Paying them a very small amount for the actual monthly API connection, but allowing us to focus on much bigger things, allowing us to focus on the other features that will be adding much higher value in terms of uh, once you receive the leads and how to gain more leads. And so that's how we actually started. For the first year, we just worked on API with them and, and getting connected to them. And on the second year, they loved us so much that they chose us out of over 50 different property management softwares to be their exclusive partners and take on the segment of property hosts with one to 10 properties. So any hosts that have less than 10 properties, they are sending right to us. We're talking about over 500,000 uh, leads to actual properties out there worldwide. And we actually closed this deal with them, this exclusive partnership with them during the COVID. So we closed it about three months ago and we've actually started generating leads and it's, it's been an amazing journey with them and, and really focusing on that and really creating that unique value that is for those small hosts because I was a small host. I only had five properties, but yet I was making millions of dollars a year. And so there are many other like me and that's what I kind of wanted to focus on. I think it's amazing on several different levels. You touched on COVID and I want to go there in a second because I'm sure it's, it's interesting. But before we dive into COVID, I have two questions and, and a clarification, I think, for the audience. Many, many small businesses, when they start, the problem is it's, it's always a chicken and the egg kind of question, right? You need distribution in order to get people to use the platform, but you need people to use the platform in order to get distribution. And you were somehow able to kind of like you know, get these two birds with one stone by connecting to the right partner. But my question is, how did you find that partner? How did this thing start? Meaning, was this a strategic move you thought about before you started the company? Is it a relationship you had before? Was it out of brainstorming with other people? Like, how did you get to thinking of that solution? And then how do you get to that specific company? Yes. So that, that is actually a very, very good question. Thank you. As, a, <laughs> as, as an entrepreneur, and when you are you know, developing a startup, you always come with that mindset that you're doing something, you're not 
making any profit right now and you're all about building. And so when you're presenting yourself to other companies, they really want to cheer for you. They really want to help you. They want to support you. So I just started off by sending messages, sending email, cold emails to companies, anyone that I wanted to kind of collaborate with. I had companies that called me and wanted to buy me out before I even had a, a, a product. They thought I had everything already figured out and it was, it was really crazy. But, but I think that it's all about the mindset. And once I came and, and got in touch with them, uh, with Rentals United specifically, and I talked to them and I told them my ideas and you know, where I was heading with it. And they told me actually, hey, we're actually coming to Israel for another event. Why don't we meet? Why don't we schedule a meeting and actually meet? And then I've met with them in person. And then it's completely different when you actually meet in person, which I really do miss these times. Hasn't been like that for the past uh, seven months. But yes. yeah, so, so I do think that that meeting in person and really getting to know another, and there are actually amazing people, amazing company, very small company. And I think that also small companies in, in, in the early stage really want to support and help one another and collaborate. And so I think that throughout this whole journey, talking to small companies, early stage businesses was always a success. They always want to work with you, try to find a way to, to collaborate. And I think that that's what worked for me. Incredible. You know, I say many times on the show that today I think in our era, networking is the most important currency you have. There's nothing that beats that. And if you know how to leverage it and you, if you're very genuine and you're saying, you know, I'm just starting up, but let's see if we can do something together, you'll be amazed with how much, like you're saying, empathy and, and, and collaboration drive you'll see from the other side of people who do want to work with you. And the company that, you know, that I'm starting now that's called uh, Be The Stage is doing exactly that, right? It's giving a platform to other companies to be able to do this on a, on a much bigger scale. Kind of like what you're doing for hosts, I'm doing for companies on the networking side of things. So I, I can really, really connect and relate to everything that you're saying. So now you have Rental United with you. What is the benefit to the people who come on board, like the business owners, the owners of the properties or the people who are the property managers themselves? that your platform provides that other platforms do not? So if with Rentals United, we kind of got a really good shortcut and got the channel manager up and running very fast, we added the value of automations, meaning if a message comes in, we automatically send out a message to the guest saying, hi, we'd love to host you. Let us know if you have any questions or automations before checking, after checkout, to write a review, to ask her how they're doing, so all these messaging and automations is one of the benefits. Uh, managing the reservations, having it all in one place, working on, on the actual calendar and being able to really work on the pricing tools and the different models and have, having the, the multi-calendar access. There's so many different tools, the financial tools, something that right now Airbnb or Booking or Homeway uh, do not provide you in a way that you can actually manage accounting. And then having on top of that, having it all, all in one place and really seeing uh, where you're getting the most out of and where you should improve, I think that this is one of uh, the most beneficial tool. And of course, now we're also launching one of the best tools, which is also really helpful during this time, which is the website and the direct booking website, which allows hosts, even small hosts, to have a website and to start generating direct bookings and not only rely on all these different channels, uh, especially nowadays, it's very, very important. So this is, this is another feature that, that is added and, and I think is, is adding more value on top of what Rentals United is, is allowing us to offer. 
Brilliant. I want to touch on a few points and again, generalize them to other people who are listening who are not necessarily in the travel industry. But I think there are three aspects that you touch that are very important across any industry and any startup that you're doing. Number one is really solving the problem of your customer. And you're saying, okay, there are tools out there, right? You can manage your property at Airbnb. There's a platform to do your accounting. There's a, but, but there's no one platform that does it all, which makes it cumbersome and time-consuming to manage these properties because you need to be a whiz and kind of know what's going on across different things versus have one solution that does, does it all and does it well. The other thing that I'm, I'm totally a data geek. Those who have been listening for a while know this. So if there's a platform that gives you insights on the outcome, the ROI, the what's doing well, what's not doing well, being able to look into your real numbers and make educated decisions based on it is huge in any industry. I don't care where you are. So, you know, you have two options. One is build a solution like this on your own. And two is find a platform that gives it to you. And then if it's all integrated, phenomenal. If not, then you have to figure out how to integrate it into your existing solution, which goes back to the other thing we talked about. So solving a problem in an integrated way is one. Business intelligence is two. And the third one, which I think is, is absolutely fantastic, is really looking at your core versus what you can kind of source out which you've done before you even started, right? You said, okay, I, I have the whole distribution thing figured out because I'm, I'm doing this partnership with a company. And again, this, this translates to any other product, any other industry. If, if there are things that are not core that somebody else is already doing and doing well, don't reinvent the wheel. You're going to be spending a lot of money and spending a lot of resources on something that already exists. Take what exactly. exists, add your secret sauce to it, which is what Ali's doing with her company, and now you have something that you have a very powerful and very capable MVP, like initial product to the public without investing huge amount of resources into it. Again, brilliant. Now we touched on COVID. COVID hits, you have a product, you have a partnership, but now nobody's booking any vacation rentals or any kind of travel. I guess the only thing that actually still kind of still exists is vacation rentals. So you, from that, you might, might have lacked out. But what did you guys do? Like what was the initial reaction and what steps did you take to overcome the current situation? Well, this is, uh, this is the, the heat of the question. Basically, we're starting a whole new story here because you're absolutely right. We're coming to a situation and I'm calling it a situation right now because we don't know for how long this will, you know, this will be and how long it will, it will last until people are back to travel. And it puts everyone in the travel industry in a huge, huge problem. This is a huge travel industry disruption. And when, when I get to it, I'm sitting down and I'm thinking, Everything is pausing. Everything is on pause right now. All the reservations that were made for this summer, everything got canceled. We're talking about 90% cancellations on all reservations worldwide. This is huge. We're talking about huge companies like Airbnb firing over 2,000 employees, going into debt, taking debt loans. The travel market disruption was immediate. 
And so I'm sitting down and thinking, what can I do to adapt? What can I do to offer a solution that would stay relevant? Because we're still very early, very early on. I'm, I'm, I still consider myself as a very early stage company. And so it's very easy to adapt and say, okay, if I have this built until now, what if I add something else that would solve all this problem, at least for now, or maybe even much bigger for the future? And so I took a really, really hard decision to pivot. And pivot, I don't mean completely scratching down what I've done until now, but using that as the main source, as my main software, the basis, and then building on top. But building on top this time was not only to serve those hosts, but to serve everyone else that was on the same boat with us. Meaning not only the host with, with vacation rentals, but also serving those hotels, the boutique hotels, the chains, everyone that got hit, everyone that is basically in danger of going bankrupt due to all these cancellations, due to the fact that they now need to be shut down for who knows how long. And so that's when I thought to myself, if I can solve that problem and create some sort of cash flow for everyone, I'm winning here. So now it's just a matter of how. How do I do that? How do I create that cash flow, but still help those travelers slash businesses and create here something that would be, I'm trying to find the right word for it, disruptive or that would completely add that value that no one else has, has done so far. And so I was sitting down, it took me about a month to actually sit down and think of how I can do it. And so I figured out if I'm able to sell people, not reservation, I'm not trying to sell reservations, sell them the options of traveling anytime within the next five years and not pay the full amount, but pay whatever they can in advance and give that advance to the hotels or to the host or to anyone who needs it on the other end, I'm basically creating that cash flow. The only problem was, what if a hotel does go bankrupt and they cannot really honor that, that option of a reservation? What if that happens? And so all I needed was to collaborate with an insurance company that would back this model up, create that model that will ensure the traveler side that their money is worth and that is protected and secured and that's it so connecting all these dots together that was actually one of the most amazing part of this whole journey because you're, you you agree with yourself that you need to stop everything you're doing adapt create something completely new and work on it and create those partnerships all that during pandemic when i myself as well got hit I had over $150,000 worth of reservation that got canceled within two days. And so not, many, not making any income right now, sitting down, having to deal with that, having to deal with everything that's happening with my grandfather passing away from the corona, from everything that's happening around me during pandemic, and then create that something new and collaborate with more companies and being able to create that and build it within months. That was the main challenge. But I think we're doing a pretty good job. And this is, this is becoming really, really amazing. So first of all, I'm really sorry to hear about your grandfather. I mean, this thing as, you know, people taking this in very different ways, but it's affecting people on a very, very personal level beyond just work. And, and I think it's amazing 
both your mindset as well as your ability to execute in, in these kind of times and, and do these things. And I think the beauty of the solution that you came up with and that you're, I don't know if developing or developed uh, and already using, but it has, so the problem with solving like a pandemic problem is some people say, okay, this will go away and then what? So now you're going to invest, you know, six months of development and then this thing goes away and this thing goes down the drain. The, the trick is obviously to find a solution that brings value long-term. What you're doing doesn't go away when the pandemic goes away because it will still allow hotels to secure future bookings or, you know, rental property owners to secure future bookings at a discount, more or less improving their cash flow. More importantly, improving their cash flow visibility into the future because they know they have X number of reservations into the next year and a half, not necessarily on a specific date. And I think it's amazing what you're able to come up with. There's another company, and it just reminds me because it's, it's another female entrepreneur, another one from New York, so a lot of things connect. Her name is uh, Maya Komerov. She's another Israeli in New York, and she's the CEO of Cinch. And what they, they built is kind of like a digital platform for local produce and small businesses in the Brooklyn area. And same kind of thing. All their, everything got shut down. And they were able to kind of like you, should they like sit down like, okay, so what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And they said, okay, what if we help all these small businesses become a delivery and pickup place versus a storefront? And that's what they did. They changed their whole business model. They stopped everything. They, they rewrote the software to allow it to become a order online and come and pick up and deliver. And same kind of mindset, right? Beyond saving her own company, she's helping save all those local businesses that otherwise for sure would have been out of business because it's a lockdown. Like it's not, even if you want to open, nobody's going to, you, you're not allowed to do it. So I love the mindset. I think it's amazing, Ali. I think everything you're doing is incredible. Like for a relatively young person having so much entrepreneurial experience and so much strategic thinking, I'm absolutely uh, amazed with what you're able to achieve. We could continue doing this all day long, but I do have a few small questions I ask everybody. One of them is, what are kind of like your favorite tools, go-to things, either books, apps, software, platforms, routines, things that you do that help you do what you do in a better way on the day-to-day? Okay. Well, I think that one of the most valuable things for me is those, you know, finding, finding advisors and mentors throughout the, the journey. In the beginning of the year, we actually got accepted to, to an accelerator program that we were able to kind of, you know, through the ecosystem and, and the networking that they provided us with, connect with a lot of amazing people. So I think choosing the right mentors and advisors. I have advisors that I chose already two years ago. People connecting me to people and keeping in touch with them through the hardest times and allowing yourself to listen and to learn from their, their experience. I think that's one of the most valuable things because there's a lot of things that we entrepreneur don't know, especially in the beginning of the time, um, in, in the beginning of actually developing what we're doing. If, if, if half of the things I knew now, I knew it in, in, in the beginning of the road, I probably would have been much more advanced. I would probably skip a lot of uh, hustle and steps uh, during the line. So I think that finding yourself the right mentor and sticking to it, reaching out every week, once a week, once in two weeks, and making sure that you're keeping them involved, 
asking the right questions, listening. It doesn't take a lot of time. And, and there's a lot of people that want to help. And so always find yourself a mentor, somebody that's, it's enough that is just one step ahead of you. If you are a pre-seed, somebody at seed or round A, like anybody uh, that you can learn from their experience, I think that's one of the most valuable things. Incredible. I, I couldn't agree more. I think the ability to get advice from people, you know, and I do this now on the other side of things. I mentor and support several different uh, companies. It's, it's so valuable. There's so many people out there who have enough scars to tell the right story to save you those scars that can save you years and millions of dollars in investments to get to where you want to go. And, and also just to vent, you know, sometimes that's all you need as a CEO. People don't get how lonely that gets sometimes with, with, with you know, just because you always have to look perfect looking down, right? It's, it's, you have to be the motivation and the spirit and the positive and whatever, but you need somebody to vent with and having somebody outside of the organization that you can do that with is critical. Amazing. Anything else? Any other tools and resources that, that you want to recommend? I think that people can get a lot of recommendations to special books and anything like that. I was recommended and started off using Audible to listen to a few books that I was highly recommended to. And, and they were amazing. I can tell you some of them that I really, really loved. We have the expansional organizations, Zero to One, really, really good one. There's a lot of really good books uh, that I think a lot of people can recommend. Those are two of my favorites. And uh, on the technology part, uh, collaborating and having your team in one place on, on different tools online that you can save time and help one another and put suggestions and really the, the, the teamwork and that sort of uh, collaboration. It's, it, even for my intern, I would sit down with my intern and she would come up with ideas and, and, and different ways to, to attract new uh, clientele or... or or reach out to businesses or all kinds of different things. Those are things that maybe I, I, I wouldn't think on, on, on my own because I'm too busy, you know, doing so many other things at the same time. So taking ideas for your team, uh, I think is also a really, really good way to, to go about it and grow and, and take advantage of. of uh, Brilliant. Can I ask like which tool you're using to manage your team? So lately we started using Monday, but before that, when we wanted to kind of keep it uh, free and cost-effective uh, on, on the design part and the product, we're using Figma, we're using Slack, obviously, for communication, Trello, that's at the top of my yeah. head, uh, the ones that, uh, yeah. Ali, this was amazing. It was a real pleasure. You're so inspiring. I love your, your positive attitude. I love the way you think. I love what you do. I think everything you're doing is strategic, but very open and candid and, and forward looking. And I so much appreciate that you took the time and joined and shared with us today. Before I let you go, how do people find you? Well, we are easy to find vacays on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we're everywhere. Can you Me spell well. it? Because it's not def definitely not spelled properly. <laughs> of course, vacays is actually the shortcut, you know, the slang in the U.S. for I'm going on a vacay. So it's V-A-C-A-Y. We just added a Z at the end for vacays for vacations in, in general. So vacays, V-A-C-A-Y-Z. And my name is Ali Wildarski. I had a pleasure talking to you and sharing with you my journey. And uh, hopefully we'll do this again soon. I can, I can promise you we will. 
I will check out with <laughs> you every few months and we'll see what we do then. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. If you've been listening in the past few weeks, you already know this, but I'm going to share it anyway to make sure you really understand what's going on. And B, if you're new or you just missed the past few episodes, then you will know what's going on. I am rebranding this podcast. I'm going to be relaunching it under a new name. You don't need to do anything. It will still show up in the same place if you're subscribed to this podcast. But the new name is going to be called The Business Growth Accelerator. It's going to be similar to what I'm doing today, only bigger, faster, better, stronger, more energy, a lot more fun. And even though it sounds impossible because we really were so lucky and so honored to have such amazing guests in the first season, the guests in season two are just going to blow you away. And I'm really excited about the changes that are happening. In order to get you excited as well, here's a little taste of the trailer episode that I made for the second season of this, which again is going to be called the Business Growth Accelerator. In 2004, I came to the US with a bunch of Israeli guys chasing our startup dream. In 2006, I saved enough money and bought a house, my little piece of the American dream. that dream quickly became a nightmare. Seconds after I bought the house, the market crashed. I lost everything I had and I didn't sleep for six months. So what did I do? I started another company. That company had an amazing idea, raised a lot of money, but ended up busting because of bad decisions by the CEO. That was me, by the way. But then, with an amazing group of people in a startup within a bigger company, we built something new and were able to grow it to $100 million in sales and the company sold. So in my professional career, I was in three different startups. One went public, one busted, and one had an amazing exit. But through these years of experience, I've noticed there's not one blueprint that works every time. But if that is the case, how do you differentiate between complete catastrophe and an amazing success? Well, it took me 20 years to figure that out, but now I'm on a quest. A quest to get you there much faster. How am I going to do that? I'm interviewing successful entrepreneurs, world-class experts, and together we search for gold, practical mindsets, tips, and systems that you can implement in your business to grow it today. You will hear amazing entrepreneurial stories, really funny moments, and lots of actionable business tips. Welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. But as I mentioned, this is only happening in a few weeks. For now, I'm still very much enjoying the E-Tribe. You know, this is kind of like my baby. By the way, the Facebook group is still going to stay, Entrepreneurs of the E-Tribe. And the website is going to stay, theetribe.com, like you used to today. So again, most of the things are not changing. 
was hard for me to make that decision, obviously. And I know for some of you, you're probably asking yourself how I'm doing it. And feel free to, you know, ask me this on social media if you want the answers. But like I said, for now, we're still with the E-Tribe. We're still with amazing guests. And until next time, have a phenomenal week.